Welcome to Junior to Senior, the podcast for ambitious devs who want to take their career to the next level. I'm your host, David Gutman. Today, I'm joined by Rob McGray. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks, David. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. I, uh, um, you know, just a quick blurb about me. My name's Rob. Uh, I guess I would call myself a creative technologist. I've been part of the Los Angeles startup slash entertainment community for, you know, about 20 years now, a little bit longer, actually. Uh, some career highlights, you know, um, I think my career really started to, to happen for me maybe about 11 years in. Um, I was the CTO of a company called Rever which was an early video sharing platform. Um, that led to my next startup, which was a company called Digisend that I was a co-founder at. We ended up being acquired by Disney, which uh, resulted in a, in a nice stint over at Disney, which is where I think, yeah, where we met. Mm -hmm. um, and later on, uh, I got involved in consumer products with a company called Sphero. Um, been in the CTO role uh, multiple times. I consider myself pretty hands-on. And uh, in fact, I haven't been on a podcast since um, as a guest because um, I've hosted a few, but as a guest since 2012. All um, right. Which, yeah. So, so I'm ready to go. Nice. Well, I'm really, really happy you were able to join me today. Yeah. So uh, for the for the listeners, Rob and I worked together at uh, Disney. I guess you wound up being a, a, a SVP over there. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was. Uh, I was SVP of. Innovation is quite a title. That's right. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's the title to really upset everybody. Um, <laughs> and uh, you make a lot of friends with that one. Um, <laughs> later on, I became the SVP of Global Creative, which is a, is a lot less offensive. Yeah, I think the the innovation one, it's it's like, well, well, I innovate. Like, why did why, he's the only one that innovates? I could totally see that that's uh, that's problematic. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, you're just you're just walking around with a bullseye, you know, <laughs> playing, it on, playing it on your forehead, like dickhead. Uh, um, that said, I mean, when when we uh, when we worked together at Disney, uh, we were we were working on the the precursor to what would eventually become Disney.com, uh, which was which was pretty pretty fun. Uh, you, you, over time, you have worked on lots of large projects with uh, engineering teams of different, different sizes and, and seniority levels. Do, do you know, like, looking back, do you know, particular traits or dynamics in these teams that you like to see, because you, you feel like that it that it leads to successful projects? Yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, it's, it's really fascinating. My my origin story, for lack of a better way to describe it, I wanted to be a playwright who happened to have uh, some natural um, technical abilities. And when I came out to California, I, I realized very quickly that you know playwriting didn't make a lot of money, but you know tech worked. Mm -hmm. And what what was kind of like a side hustle became a career. And I was very fortunate because the two kind of worlds eventually you know met in the middle. And and I could kind of call myself this creative technologist because I'd been, you know, working for entertainment uh, entertainment companies, um, you know, on technical strategy, technical solutions, solving technical problems. Um, you know, if for for you know, I, I think one of the things that that I realized at some point was that my career was really built on the shoulders of the people that I worked with, specifically mm -hmm. the 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 people who were more talented than I was at, at actually building things and and solving problems and had abilities that, that just weren't in my wheelhouse. Um, and so, you know, I, I can, I think around um, 
probably the, the time that, that we were doing Rever um, was when I got a really good taste of what it was like to have what I would call a, a first class you know, engineering team. And we had built it in a, in a really strange way at the time, which was we were using Twisted Python to, to do a lot of what we were doing. There weren't a lot of Twisted developers uh, locally in Los Angeles. We had found folks, and this might resonate with you, we had found folks all over the world via like um, forums and, and chat rooms and, and kind of brought together this really interesting group of people from all over, some of which eventually came to Los Angeles. And I, I can remember, you know, at times feeling almost bad about how good they were <laughs> um, compared to me. But at the same time, I was always willing to jump in and do the things that I actually knew how to do. And so I can remember for a while we didn't have a sysadmin. And I was a CTO and I was like, well, I guess I'm the sysadmin too. And, you know, you'd, you'd, you, it, was, it was this weird situation because you'd be like trying to deploy things for, you, for your team, but also you'd have to like, you know, kind of rate them on their performance at the same. It was very strange, but yeah. I think I got a real knack for what it was like to be on the team, even if I, the team also reported into me um, officially. And, you know, developers are, are really interesting. I don't like to categorize people, but I always do. Um, and I think that there are different types of personas <laughs> that, you know, people who are technical and I'll say technically advanced tend to take on. And, you know, and there's nothing, I'm not saying one is better or worse than the other, but, you know, you have the folks who are super excited about what they're able to do and they want to show you and they want to, in some way, enlighten you to make you feel smarter at the same time. And, and I've had a lot of those experiences and I've been really lucky because those are the ones that make you, that make you better. Mm. And there are the, there's the other side of that, which are the developers or engineers that, you know, a lot of their potential confidence comes from feeling like the smartest person in the room. Mm. And they're much more apt to, um, unfortunately, maybe try to make you feel stupid um, in their presence because they're so good at whatever. And, and look, it's all, it's, it's all the way we are as humans. And, and I'm not saying that, that they're bad developers, but, you know, ultimately what I was always looking for were those people that really wanted everyone else to feel amazing, um, and contribute and not, I wasn't looking for like rock stars that, that wanted to do a solo album. I was trying to like, you know, build the team who would be the Beatles, so mm -hmm. to speak. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, help to have a, a soccer team where, you know, everyone is scoring goals. You need a goalie and people playing defense too. Like, otherwise you're not going to. Yeah. I mean, and, and we know people like you and I know some of the same circle and there are some people who are just, you almost forget how talented they are because they're such great showmen at, at presenting what they've done. And you, you, you start to not even think of them as a developer. Um, and so it's really interesting that, that people with similar skills are able to change your perception of them by the way they present themselves and they present their work. It's always struck me as, as really fascinating. So it sounds like, like that, that, that trait of education, wanting to bring people up. I mean, that definitely sounds a lot like teamwork. So when you, when you are hiring developers, is this something that you, you would look for? Or is that something now uh, when, you know, if you're ever hiring a developer, is this, is this something that you look for when you're interviewing? 
Uh, you know, I mean, look, at the end of the day, and, and people don't want to say this, but um, I will. I, I don't think that people hire people that they don't want to be friends with or hang out with. I think mm-hmm. that as humans, we're, um, you know, unconsciously disposed to want to be around people that we like. And, you know, I, I, I'd be lying if I said the first trait that I, you know, was looking for wasn't, hey, we're going to get along and I think you're going to get along with other people. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I don't even care what your code looks like until I've recognized that, that you're a good fit as a human being. And it's and when you could say, well, it's hard to 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 know that very quickly, but there are signs, and if you've met enough people and you've worked with enough people, there there are a lot of red flags that you look for. I mean, let's let's just assume that you know everybody's capable for a second, you know, because that's the assumption I make. And then you know, assuming that, what do I like about you? What I don't like about you? Do you like me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you might think I'm a jerk. I I think. You know, it, it's weird because the world has gone through so many, um, you know, transitions, and especially over the last, you know, not to make this topical or lock it to a set of, of a period in time, but over the last year, um, specifically 2020, where you know, I think people have asked themselves a lot of different questions, and whether it's asking yourself, like, you know, how are you, where are you going to spend your money. Um, or do you want to go out without a mask? Or what do I really want to do? Mm-hmm. And so the 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 second thing that I really try to understand when I when I meet people who want to um, work on the team is do they really care about this? Because if 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 this is just to make a buck and you don't you don't give a crap, like that's gonna that's gonna infect everything. So where's your real passion? And if this isn't what it is, then you know. I don't even know, I might not even know you, but I can tell you that you're going to be happier doing something that you actually care about. So one thing that comes up a lot with the people in you know, the, the communities that, that I'm in, uh, junior developers or aspiring developers, they wind up in a tough spot because they the companies that they want to work at may not give them a chance because they don't have enough experience. And so they're looking for a first gig to give them a shot almost no matter what it is like do you is there a way to i don't know square the like to put those two together like is there a a a way of looking at particular jobs that even if it's not the passion they can at least i don't know come off in a way that that um is a little bit more i don't know to to someone hiring them and let's say they're yeah yeah no i i i think i get where you're going with this you know i don't mean to sound like a grandpa when i say this but but I can remember, you know, my first job and being excited to have some cash, mm. right? And and it didn't really matter um, if I was doing exactly what I wanted. I was just excited that I was doing something and somebody was paying me. And they were paying me to essentially fall on my face more <laughs> than I didn't. And I think that that's the thing that people kind of forget is that when you're starting off in your career, you're, um, you know success to failure ratio in terms of pulling off what you're trying to do um, is very much weighted towards failure. And so you're making less money because you fail more. And the company is willing to accept that, that you're not perfect. And that's that's something really um, special, I think, that someone's willing to let you learn on their dime. Right. And somewhere along the line, I believe that maybe people forgot that. And it and I understand it's, yes, and I I, I want people to be passionate a hundred percent. I just said it, but also I want them to understand that, you know, 
I don't, I didn't come out and, and, and do something that for the first time and expect to be paid or treated like I had done it a hundred times. And so strategically, if you're thinking about your career, you need to allot yourself that time for failure. So what if you took the job at Tesla because you're really excited about Tesla and you failed on their dime? Would you rather get fired from Tesla? Or, I was say, that might be a short stint. <laughs> yeah. Or would you rather you know, have some losses at this startup that, that it, the, the risk is not as high for them or for you? And so I, I really you know, think people need to get excited about the fact that they're being allowed to fail when they're young. And that is really, really important part of growing and getting better. You know, you will have more failures and success when you have them is going to, you know, really dis- help decide what your ultimate level of success will be. You know, yeah. would you, you know I mean, I'm saying the same thing a million different ways, but do you want to, <laughs> do you want to fall on a pile of leaves or on a, on a, you know, concrete, you know, piece of concrete? Totally. So going back to the interview, like you're, what I'm hearing and I, and I agree with this, um, is that. Yeah, it, that excitement, that enthusiasm matters. And maybe it may not be about the company, right? Like it could just be for, for a company that makes, you know, lots of effectively nuts and bolts for for trucks or something like that. Like unless you're a, you know, a truck enthusiast, you're not going to care. But um, you could get really, you know, you could find it in yourself to get excited or enthusiastic about how they're able to manage all the logistics or the scale that they're able to operate at or you know how how low their failure rate is and how technology governs all of those things like i think they're i think that it's not actually that difficult to find something to get excited or enthusiastic about with a successful company i think usually there's something in there that that's being done well that the company has survived because most companies fail, like a huge, huge proportion of companies fail. And so the ones that are surviving or thriving, I think if you look, you will find something or you can find something that that is interesting. And so maybe part of the challenge is just to to put in the work to to find what that is so that when you go into that interview, you're not you're not bored. It doesn't look like you're phoning it in because interviewers can tell. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think they can tell. I think, you know, there's a, there's a phrase and I, I think every, it's universal. It's like, can that person hang? <laughs> and, and, and interviewers are asking themselves that. And even if they're not the person that, you know, the interviewee is going to eventually work for, they know the parties. And so it's almost like, it, it's a little bit like dating or speed dating and you're yeah. trying to figure it out. Like, how are these, are these people going to be able to hang out? You know? yeah. I mean, typically in a large company, right? And so I, I, I should throw in this disclaimer you know, in a large organization, the, by the time that, that I'm going to sit down with somebody, they've, they've already been vetted. And so their um, technical capabilities have, you know, have been checked in some way. Right? And so I get to kind of have fun and talk to them like a person and not necessarily test them. And I think that, that if you remove the testing, um, and I know everybody's hot on it. Like, you know, you're going to take this test. We're going to see if you really know your stuff. We're going to put you under pressure. You know, we're going to hide tests and billboards, wh- whatever shenanigans people are up to. If if you remove the, the the pressure of the test and you allow the person to be a little bit looser, you can kind of see who they are. Mm-hmm. And I think on the other side that, you know, as you become better at the interview process 
and you become better at integrating yourself into corporations or organizations and making yourself you know, indispensable, which is a skill that you can kind of, you have a better idea of what's happening and when it's time to let down your guard and when it's time to show that, that you can hang and versus, hey, now I have to be like, you know, I, I, I got to show them how efficient my code is and how fast my brain works. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. So knowing, knowing what the other person is looking for is really important right? There, there might be somebody that you're talking or interviewing where they're really just interested in the code. Like the level at which they're evaluating you is whether or not you can do the job. But it, it's also important to recognize when that's not the case. Like I think, Rob, you're, you're talking about by the time they're talking to you, like that's been already established. And if, so, if all someone wants to present to you is like how awesome their code is and not how pleasant they are to hang out with if you too happen to be stuck at an airport or if you are basically you're, you're basically you're you're looking out for the health of the organization and so you're almost looking for all right is this person going to cause trouble at the at the human level like yeah. are they going to disrupt the not that you think of your companies as machines but like are they going to are they going to throw a wrench into the gears of like the, the company as a machine, as opposed to just like the the outputs that they're supposed to. Yeah. And it's important to recognize like what that the the person interviewing is looking for, because it's kind of like if they're looking, if they're looking to see like, oh, you know, is this like a screwdriver or like, are they a good screwdriver? And you're, you know, it's a shitty metaphor. But, you know, if you're a multi-tool, like don't show them the bottle opener. Like recognize that they're looking for the screwdriver and show them like that you're an awesome screwdriver. And then later or before someone wants to evaluate your code, recognize that they want to see the bottle opener and show them like how awesome of a bottle opener you are. But but having that communication, that empathy and, um, you know, that awareness, those skills goes a long way. Yeah, I think it's it's, it's complicated, too, like on on the the person who's putting together the the team and trying to make the decision. They've got a lot of um, you know, they're doing a lot of uh, human math in their head in terms of, okay, I, I've got this like really great coder, but and nobody else compares to them. I need to find somebody who's going to challenge this. And so sometimes you're also looking to create tension within your organization to make the organization better. And so you might actually, it might turn out that this attitude that someone naturally has is exactly what you need. And and so you're not always looking for someone just to get along, right? You're, you're looking, you, you want to know who they really are. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and, and good hiring managers, you know, they're like Nick Fury and the Avengers. They, <laughs> they you know, they know that, that Hulk and Thor and Iron Man are, are all going to like battle, you know, they're not going to get along all the time. Yeah, I've actually definitely been hired into onto teams where I think uh, the person was counting on me to butt heads a little bit with another engineer because of sometimes you you get better results through conflict. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, people look at the end of the day, you need to move forward and complacency um, is, is not good for any team that that is trying to you know move forward. It, it, complacency gets gets really boring for everybody. And so you try to bring this passion and you try to bring new blood whenever you can that that really lights things on fire for a little while. And you, you know, you want you want individuals who are going to question the status quo. Now, you don't want people just coming in to to disrupt for the sake of disruption, 
Um, you know, and, and I think that if, if that's somebody's strategy, which is I'm going to show up and I'm going to just try to throw a wrench in everything because I think that's what everybody wants. Don't do I, that. I, I, that's not going to go well, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's different. It's like um, there's lots of different ways to run teams. And, and I've seen this firsthand many times. You know, there in management, there's um, a couple different clear strategies you can take. And one of them is kind of the, the design by committee where you're really trying to get a lot of buy-in from everybody um, with the hopes of, hey, if I get this buy-in, then things are going to run better. And, and that may or may not work all the time. I, I don't think that that's my style, but, but I've, seen it, I've seen it work really well and I've seen it not work at all. Um, you know, I, I tend to think that one of the things that you want to do is you want to show that, that you're extremely competent. And even if you didn't have the opinion of those around you or ask specifically that you've you've really absorbed enough to make the decision on your own. And I think that that's what leadership demands because you don't want to be second-guessed all the time. So you've worked with a lot of engineering managers. You've talked about different management styles. Um, yeah, what what are the things that you would hear from your engineering managers about good developers or bad developers? Like what would what would what would be the things that they would say or that they liked about teammates or disliked? It's, you know, I'm trying to think of, um, of, of some really good examples. Um, you know, I had a, I worked very closely with um, a, a really, really talented developer who I was trying to groom to be a, a technical leader. And he had some challenges because he had to, you know, I don't know if he was completely aware of, of how he came off. And um, I believe that when he was talking to people, he wasn't necessarily good at letting them know um, how much he liked them or that he was impressed with them. I think that his demeanor was was kind of a little bit cold. Um, and what was interesting is that when I would spend time with him, he would he would talk very highly about certain people, and he was he was actively always recruiting. By the way, one of the mm -hmm. things that that we decided would be good for him was. Um, to build his people skills was to go out and start trying to hire, like off the street, basically go to mm -hmm. events, find people. You have you have something to talk about, which is you have a job for. Something. Yeah, and um, you know, and and so he would he would provide information that was like in in two very clear buckets. Like, okay, as a as a person in the community, this is why I think this person's really interesting. You know, and and we were looking specifically for people who existed outside of their jobs. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is that they weren't known as like, you know, Rob from Disney, but they were just known as like Rob from LA, right? Mm -hmm. That, you know, you're, 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 you're being transcended your job. And he would come back with, okay, you know, let's just, I'll just David from LA. This is the stuff he's doing. It's crazy. However, he's in a job doing blank. And I can, and I think we have we might have an opportunity to bring him over here because we've got something closer to what he wants to do. Mm -hmm. And this is what I think he's going to bring to the team, you know? And so once people are on the team, it was juggling like the battle of talent, right? And you have, you know, it's, it's really fascinating to watch this, this kind of happen. And you're trying to stay hands off as much as you can and let things play out. And you're relying on the information that you're getting. Um, one of the mistakes I think we managers make is to rely on um, a small amount of sources of information because then the perspective that we're getting is limited to the perspective of people who are giving us information. Mm -hmm. So, you know, early on I'd spent 
I, I wouldn't really have to ask anybody any questions because I was there. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. what do you think of David? Well, I, I know what I know what to think of David because I sit here next to him and I see him. I don't need to ask anybody. There's no middleman. But as you build these these bureaucratic systems and you're relying on other people's information, that information is always somewhat skewed. Um, I, I I it's I guess what I'm trying to say is that I don't know if I even would believe or recommend you believe the information that you're getting, which is not a popular thing to say, but but. Like how, how do you how do you explain what somebody is or who somebody is? You, know, you need to see it firsthand in some way, and that just might be a conversation. So, I mean, taking this to the the level of the engineer or the developer, is this almost advice that they should be more proactive in? I don't know, visibility or I making. Think, I think yes, absolutely, a hundred percent. You know, and and I can't speak for everybody, but. I've never looked poorly on somebody who wanted to get to know me. Like that's actually a nice thing to do. Yeah. And you know, I'm 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 playing through my mind like, you know, I can remember going to jobs um, you know, the first couple of days in a new job and there's a bunch of people at every job who are, you know, might be seen as kind of the ass kissers who come in <laughs> and and they kind of welcome you. And I got to say that like almost without exception, like I, I, that was really nice, <laughs> you know, like, and again, I know that there are certain, um, leaders who like to, you know, create that, those boundaries and, and there have to be some kind of boundary, right. And there has to be some kind of chain in command, but, but I mean, look, at the end of the day, I believe that if somebody's work is exceptional and I, and I do mean exceptional that they, that they're working to the best of their actual ability. If they want to come and spend time with 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 you, you're gonna do it. Like you want to know who does the work. Yeah, I mean that's that's important information. I mean, yeah. having that visibility into your organization is valuable. And it's funny you mentioned the those boundaries in leadership. And I think there's certainly a school of thought that suggests that you can't be friends with subordinates, or you don't want to be that that friendly with people that report to you or report to people that report to you. And what sort of makes me smile about that is just think about why that reason is. Yeah. <laughs> if you think about why people or that school of thought thinks that those rules should be in place, it's so that it's so that people don't get preferential treatment by by doing that. And what that means is it works. <laughs> yeah. I mean it like, does work. Look, look yeah. anybody like like I mean um you know I have definitely been accused of playing favorites and and it it is a it is a human tendency you to favor the people that you know do better work and that you like better right and you try to balance that the best you can and you know you 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 do end up with situations where you know let's say you become friendly with the people that that are working for you or your company and you know and this person is like 40% good work and 60% super cool to talk to. And this other person's 60% good work and 40% good to talk to. There's probably, they're they're probably equal in your mind of Mm -hmm. value. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that like not everybody's created equally, but if people are, you know, are leveraging what they have, um, it makes them very attractive, you know, as friends. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, I mean, I, I came up during a time where, um, you were, it was cool. Like your, your team, like, I mean, 
you know, you hung out with them. You spent a lot of time with the people that you worked with. And it was like that for a long, long time. And and I always thought it worked. I have been in situations where it's backfired, um, mm-hmm. where you know I believed that I was very close friends with, with the people who worked for me. And you come to find out later that, that they didn't really want to hang out with you and they felt like they had to. And that hurts, right? Yeah. And you feel like a jerk. Um, but you also feel like, I mean, that hit, that hits your self-esteem. It's like, man, I thought I was cool. Why, what do you mean? You're just hanging out with me because you're me? Like, why did you do that? And wow. then you realize, right, that you have this, this um, responsibility to try to understand if they really want to hang out with you. Mm-hmm. you know? And so the boundaries might get created uh, because either party can get burned from the, from the deal. And, and, and if you find people that you get along with who can understand that, you know, because I, I remember going to lunch with like a VP when I was like 26 and we were joking around and my friend said the wrong thing to him and he just pulled rank like, you know, mm. at some Chinese food place and flipped out. And I just remember thinking like, you shouldn't come to lunch with us. Like, this is lunch, dude. Like, if right. you can't, if you can't just talk like a human being, like this had nothing to do with anything at work. And I think that from that point on, I tried to practice that the best I could. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, if we're on our time, then, you know, you should be able to act the way you want. And if it's not a way that I like, I wouldn't hang out with you or vice versa. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's gotta be really hard. Um, and I remember how hard it was navigating that when I was younger, like trying to figure out like how far you push and, <laughs> and, 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 am I bothering this person? Yeah. You know, and there's also like that kind of somewhat awe that you're in of these successful folks that you're working with, you know, that have done things that you want to do and you want their death someday, or you want, you want to do those things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, you know, and you're not sure what the rules are yet. And, yeah. I, mean, I wonder, you know, I, wonder, I guess you could just ask like, Hey, what are the rules? <laughs> yeah. I, what, you know, I think straight, straightforwardness is often appreciated. Um, you know, I'm wondering if, if some of the listeners are, are going to think like, like if this is going to be a concern or if this is going to be a relief like like the role in which social dynamics play and and how they can affect your career i could see that simultaneously being scary and um in some ways exciting right like i think there's there's a there's a large class of people who would prefer the world to be completely like meritocratic let's just leave aside how how uh <laughs> unobjective that 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 word might be, but th- there's people who just might want, you know, they, they want the world to be meritocratic and it, it would be very disappointing or, or aggravating to, to think of people getting preferential treatment just because they are more charismatic or, or, you know, fun to hang out with. And, you know, I think the, the flip side you could look at is those are, those are skills you can develop too. Um, you know, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like, look, I, I mean, when I was in college, I, I would hang out with my teachers, right. Which, which, um, you know, and, and I, and I remember telling people that later, like, well, who'd you hang out with? And I had some friends and then I had some professors that I hung out with and, uh, you know, and, and, and I didn't talk about that. I didn't like brag to my fellow students, like, oh, I had so-and-so over for dinner. 
like Friday, you know, we smoked a joint or whatever. Like, like I would never, what you knew not to talk about it, right? That if you were to talk about that, you weren't going to, it would, it might end. Mm. And the thing is that people are people and they're looking for connection and they're looking for, we, we expect so much out of our, out of our work now because we work so much that it's supposed to fill all of these needs and now we've got like this remote work thing happening and I don't know what what we're supposed to do right but we're trying to connect and especially people who are trying to figure out the rules and where they fit into this world are just looking for connections but I don't think that 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 is a bad thing and I don't think that it's going to be met with disapproval on the other side mm-hmm. and if it is then maybe that's not where you want to be Maybe that's one of the ways to know if this is the world I want to be a part of, meaning not the world, but this organization and the job. Like, I really love um, the idea of people being accessible uh, within, within reason, meaning that when, you know, if, if I have your attention, I have 100% of it. And, and, and when I don't, I don't, and that's okay. But, but I know how to get in touch with you and I know how to have a conversation with you and I know what the rules are around that. And, and, but that takes a long time to develop because everybody's rules are a little bit different and you've got to kind of figure it out. Yeah, I can definitely, yeah, there's, there's definitely different types of institutions or organizations and some of them are very much going to, they're going to try and uh, tamp down the influence of social relationships and connections i think some of the 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 fang companies really try to try to do this um and try and make it more meritocratic um but i I would say like on the whole most organizations are just run by humans and people are very subject to biases and friendships and relationships and you know it's it it if that if you think that that is problematic then there are plenty of organizations probably larger corporate ones in many cases where you know that that will that will try and be you know restricted but i think there's lots of other ones where if that excites you or that's a relief um that can be a huge advantage right i mean because if if you can just do the work like you can actually do what's what's needed what is wanted and then you wind up having a great relationship friendship with someone, you know, you you constantly see them at a meetup or some other, you know, interest group or activity, um, or just you're in the same, you know, Slack groups online or something, and you're constantly uh, shooting the breeze, you know, you are in a very good position, you know, assuming you're looking for a job and they and they're hiring, you're in a great position, you know, because they're, you're going to be very high up on their list of people that they want to work with. Um, but you know, it, it's I can also just understand on the other side that people might just assume like, oh, it's got to be super professional and I have to get in on my merits only. And if I'm if I'm like trying to be friends with someone and they're only hiring me because, you know, they're friendly with me, that's that's cheating. I can I can understand that, too. Um, I, th- I think just a lot of people underestimate how powerful um, those social skills. I hate that phrase, but like mm-hmm. how how powerful those those skills can be of just being a likable person, being interesting to talk to, um, making people feel more energetic after they talk to you rather than drained. And if you if you have developed those skills and they can be developed, I think you're going to find yourself having a much larger surface area for opportunity. It's one of those things that, that new opportunities and jobs like will just 
be more apparent uh, and available. Yeah, let, let's throw an added added spin on it and say that you know in in most cases um, where we the the community are working on products that people will use. So shouldn't we all have some kind of developed empathy for one another? Mm-hmm. Like you can tell when you look at um, a product if the person really was empathetic about the person who's going to use it or not. <laughs> you know, you can, and, and that culture goes through. Oh my through, God, you're making me think of enterprise software. Right. Uh, yeah. And it goes right. Like the organization is in some cases are consistent. Like, I mean, for a long time, it was like, okay, Google are a bunch of engineers and you can tell by the way they make their things, mm-hmm. right? They're made by engineers for engineers. And I know they've tried to, to make a lot of um, changes t- so that it didn't come off that way versus say someone like Apple, who was very much focused on, on consumers and understanding you know, consumer behavior and trying to make it like incredibly intuitive so that like a, a, you, know, you could pick up an iPhone or an iPad and you'd know how to use it versus having to go through kind of some kind of training where you understood, you got into the mind of the organization that built this thing. And I think, I think that that's uh, an indicator of the culture of the company. You know, like, um, what was it uh, that you and I were talking about? Oh, hey, the, the mm-hmm. mail app, right? And, and you know, these are, these are clearly smart people, and they're really trying to think about how people really are going to use this stuff. Mm-hmm. And their users, too. Like they're going to use it. How would they like to use it? And I almost, you know, you think about that and you think, okay, well, we could have a conversation about email and and I'm sure that they did, you know, if if they're bringing on people on the team, they're going to talk about email um, before they start talking about, you know, uh, how proficient is your blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Do you care about communication? Yeah. And so, I, I mean, I've always believed that, that empathy is something that we're all born with. And, and a skill that can be honed. Mm-hmm. And so I think what we're really talking about is that, is yeah. empathy. Empathy allows you to, to have great relationships and communicate um, in a way that is fulfilling for all parties. And I, I, and I think, you know, and, and, and again, it's different levels, right? Some people are more emotionally empathetic than others, but I do think that a certain level needs to be developed in order to have a, a positive team experience. Yeah, you know, and it, but that has to that has to start at the top. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, like we can't ask these things of our team if we're not willing to practice them ourselves. I mean, I, I, you know, we're going into the like when we're talking about boundaries. I can remember this um, situation. Maybe this is an interesting story, but like I would stay at work fairly late, and that was just my style, right? I, I, I stayed, and uh, and I saw other people stayed late too, and I thought, oh, this is cool. They work, they're working real hard. They really into it. And one day. Someone came in and said, hey, hey, you know what, man? You know why people stay late? And I said, uh, yeah, because they really like to work to me. No, it's because they don't think they can leave because you're here. And I said, oh, shit. Well, now I feel bad. And they're like, "Didn't did you know that so-and-so had a baby like a month ago? Do you think they want to be here? Do you think they want to go home and see the baby? And then oh, now I feel really bad. Like, And I was like, I don't know what to do. What do, what do I do? And they're like, get your ass out of here at 6 p.m. Go home. And I was like, but I got stuff. Go home and do it. Don't do mm-hmm. it here because you're setting a really bad precedent for people. And so I did it. And those people that wanted to leave would leave. And maybe they'd go home and do what they needed to do and come back online for a little while. And those people who like to stay at the office, and you know who I'm talking about, there are those people who love to stay at the office until like 11 o'clock because it's their social kind of goof off time. Totally. 
they would continue to do that. And I really thought that that was an interesting insight and something that was so obvious that I had that just flown right over my head. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm setting the pace. Right. So we are almost out of time. But before before we finish up, I was curious if maybe there's something that we covered or maybe something else. Is there a popular piece of advice that you disagree with? You know, I think the thing that that, that frustrates me, and it, it is probably because of um, where I am in my life, is you know, I am noticing, um, you know, such an emphasis on youth and, you know, you know, 30 under 30 and this and that, whatever. And I mean, if, if I could have, if I knew the value of wisdom when I was 25, I could have skipped like 10 years of career mistakes easily, (laughs) right? If I knew that that was free information for the taking, but it had not occurred to me that, there were a bunch of people walking through a cave with a flashlight that was 20 times stronger than the one I had in my hand. And I thought that I had to go and do the same steps and make the same mistakes. And I now realize that I did not have to. And so like this idea that, that you have to do everything on your own and you don't need anyone and you know, young people are the people who should be starting companies and maybe they should. I'm not saying they should or they shouldn't. But there are so many valuable individuals in the world with infinite amounts of great information to share that I would be seeking that shit out. I mean, I am, but it, you know, just I don't see anybody talking about that. Everybody's trying to prove how smart they are and how successful they are. And the world has become this really interesting place where it's a bragathon, you know. But what happened to like subtle wisdom, power? In that wisdom, I want to see a celebration for that. I don't. I don't know anybody who's turned down um, a request to mentor. I know no one who said no. They might limit the amount of time because they're busy and they don't want to like blow you off. But I don't know anybody who said no. And so the the thing that that I think has been missed and not really discussed is the power of this type of like these types of relationships that have nothing to do with your job. I mean, one of the things that I believe you're trying to do is to link, you know, the knowledge with the people who need the knowledge, right? I assume that's what this podcast is about and a lot of the work that you do. And I think that that needs to be embraced and people need to really, um, in organizations, start to prop that up as well. Like I'm, I'm, I can tell you, like, you know, I'm, I'm clearly middle-aged and, and I, I would be scared if I had to find a job right now because of the blatant ageism that exists in the world. And there's no reason for it. It's a benefit. Yeah. That, that, that experience, uh, was, is, is hard one. So I don't know, I, I don't know how, um, that will resonate, but I think what I'm trying to say is that, you know, for the people the, the people young, who are a little bit earlier in their career who are looking to get ahead, there's a long list of people who can help you. You know, you don't have to do it alone. I completely agree with that. Rob, this has been awesome. So where can people find out more about you online? Uh, I guess you could um, just do a Google Rob McGray, <laughs> M-A-I-G-R-E-T. Uh, All right, we'll put I, that I, in the show notes. I really own Google for my name. It's pretty awesome. I got like a, a few different pages and there's not there's not a lot of other Rob McGrays out there. So awesome. But uh, yeah, this was great. I, I hope uh, I was on point and and some of this information is useful to somebody. Yeah, I I think it'll be incredibly useful. Like again, I think a big part of this show is uh, 
for the for the listener to to get exposed, you know, a little bit of this this cultural immersion to uh, different tech leaders and their their experience, uh, their perspective, and all of that. And I think you've done an amazing job. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, you, David. It's good to be here. All right. That's it for today. I'm David Gutman, and I hope you join me again next time for Junior to Senior. And if you've enjoyed the show and want to get more involved with like-minded devs focused on their career, head on over to community.juniortoseniors.io. Thanks.